Real Talk with Grace Redmond features conversations with fierce and fabulous people from Grace's community and circle who inspire others with their stories of overcoming challenges to create amazing. Grace is an entrepreneur and success coach who works with individuals to diminish their negative mental chatter, boost their confidence, achieve their goals, and increase their prosperity mindset. Get ready for a series of Anything Goes conversations with remarkable men and women that will get you jazzed for life's unlimited possibilities of success, freedom, and fun. Welcome to Real Talk with Grace Redmond. I'm Grace Redmond, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Real Talk, where I get to have real life, raw conversations with incredible people from my circles and communities who have overcome challenges and created amazing. And today I am so excited to welcome the Berserkly Vegan, Erica Hazel. The Berserkly Vegan was founded by Erica Hazel after she transitioned to the vegan lifestyle in October 2016. The name Berserkly Vegan comes from her love of everything others see as bizarre in Berkeley, California, and her passion for veganism as a way to improve the lives of animals. As a food blogger, Erica's always discovering the best vegan cuisine to share with her family and followers to make the world a more vegan place one bite at a time. The Berserkly Vegan is not only a popular social media influencer and food blogger, but also specializes in events, consultations, and speaking engagements. Erica's goal is to engage with people to help them find the best plant-based foods the world has to offer one bite at a time. And I'm super excited to welcome Erica with us on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me, Grace. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. I definitely need some veganism education, that's for sure. And you're the perfect person to do that for myself and our audience. So welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. There were, there was a few times I made an attempt, you know, to go vegan, but today you'll help me learn a little bit more. Sure. Let's, what do you want to know? What are we wondering about? I, I will get there. What, what I love is your role as a food critic. Like I love food and yeah. I watched, you know, your Instagram and then you just get to go to, you know, different places and eat food. Like I watch the food network all the time. That's like my only thing I watch. And then I watched you on check please. So that was really cool. I'm like, I want her job. <laughs> I mean, so tell us a little, like, how, do, how did you get started as a food critic? You know, I come from a big foodie family. Um, my mom is an amazing cook. Um, she's traveled the world and, you know, she loves French cuisine and traditional, like, Black American cuisine. And so I always grew up in a household where my mom, like, cooked things from scratch. And so when I was talking about going vegan, um, I first went pescatarian at UC Irvine in undergrad. And it was so hard for me. And I don't know why, but really hard for me. I was like, all I can eat is like uh, shrimp, fettuccine Alfredo. And that's it. Like I was so stumped on like vegetarianism and pescatarianism. Great. And then once I w- did the leap to veganism, my method was I'm going to eat whatever I want outside of the house. So which included a lot of Popeye's chicken. And- I love Popeye's chicken. Um, and in the house, I was going to practice my veganism. So I kept my, my home vegan and dad and, you know, just got by with what I needed to outside of the house. That's fair. So you started, that was one of my questions. Like, how did you start? Was it cold Turkey? But it sounds like what you did was 
when I'm home, I'm going to do the veganism. And when I'm out, I get to eat Popeye's and the biscuits and enjoy that. Right. Yeah. Cause I was still like my biggest struggle, I think going vegan was like, where am I going to eat? How am I going to make sure that there's no dairy, no butter, no, you know, I, that, I think that was my biggest struggle. Cause I remember when I was pescatarian, my auntie, she made something and she said, Oh, this is vegetarian. But I think she had stirred she had used the same ladle for like a meat dish that she used for the veg- the rice dish or whatever. And my stomach was not okay with that. Uh, mm-hmm. My stomach, wow. the difference that there was meat essence in what I was eating. And so I knew I had to be very careful about, you know, not upsetting my stomach, eating out in the world. So yeah, it was definitely research, but you know, the Instagram community was so helpful. Like, mm-hmm. oh, go get this, go do that. Go. I was like, oh. Thank you for helping me figure this out. So it was definitely a, a community effort. But so what uh, what motivated you to go vegan? Ooh, that's a or, great or question. Because again, it starts, like you said, pescatarian and then vegan. Like what was the motivation to choose that lifestyle? Um, so I went to undergrad in Southern California and I was walking, we call it Ring Road. It's the road that goes around the entire campus. And someone said, hey, do you want to help animals? And I was like, of course I do handed me this pamphlet that showed like the horrors of like factory farming and like where our meat comes from. And I was like, I was like, so I'm, so, I'm contributing to this. I'm such a bad person. I won't and, watch those shows. My son's like, watch this. I'm like, yeah, no. Right. Right. And so, yeah, they got me unexpectedly and I was like, okay, I need to transition meat out of my diet. And I always tell people, um, as amazing as my family is, like I kind of describe them as a bunch of velociraptors, you know, a lot of you know, really intense meat eaters, um, even, you know, and so for me, I didn't really go vegan until I moved out of my parents' house um, after college. And I had my own fridge, my, you know, I, I got to pick the influences that were around me. I got to pick what was in my fridge. And yeah, I um, watched this documentary, Vegucated, which mm-hmm. is really cool because it's a social experiment documentary that takes six people to transition them to vegan for like a month or something and to see if they'll stick with it after the documentary is over. Did they stick with it? A couple people did. It's tough. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. And I think this was like filmed like maybe in the early 2000s, late 90s, something like that. So mm-hmm. um, I know it was definitely harder then. Um, but now like I'm so excited because like whenever I go traveling, I'm like, ooh, I have 10 different vegan spots I want to hit here. I have 10, you know, New York, uh, Honolulu, Washington, D.C., those in Portland, Oregon are like my top four like vegan destinations. I love it. Well, there's something exciting. I know that you um, are you have the Berserkly Food Festival, and I just found out that your Berserkly Food Festival was named number one vegan festival to travel to in the country. You know, I hope that they think we're number one. I know number for one. sure we're on. We're on that list. We're the first mentioned on that list. Um, Yeah. So that was a huge honor from Veg News. I have been a Veg News subscriber forever. I've met their CEO and founder. So it was amazing that we made the list. Um, Yeah. The Berserk Food Fest. Thank you. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Number. Yeah. Yeah. I I think everyone should go. And and you, you didn't even know. Like someone told you that you were chosen as number one vegan food festival to travel to how did that feel once you heard the news yeah one of my followers is like have you seen the the articles like what article <laughs> they're like you got listed on this list I was like oh, I'll go look at it right now and it was just like the biggest honor you know I could have gotten because this is our second year in person mm-hmm. 
So I was like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. This is cool. That's 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 so cool. And so how long have you been a food critic? Since I went vegan in 2016, um, my motto was everything I'm going to show you on my Instagram page is meat eater approved. Mm -hmm. That was, that was the motto. So, um, my family and friends were a huge help with that going out to eat with me at different places, um, trying different products like, Ooh, would you eat this vegan cheese? Would you eat this vegan chicken or whatever? And so my favorite thing now is like when I give something to my, um, second little brother he's the oldest little brother he'll be like this isn't this isn't vegan chicken this is real chicken they're just lying to you erica and i'm like no <laughs> look at the package and I, i've heard that before where people eat vegan food and like okay that doesn't even you know it doesn't even taste it tastes like i'm eating you know regular um like you said chicken or, yeah. or not meat but i remember when allison she's like it i felt like i was eating you know chicken so she right. mentioned the same thing to me that's my you know my assistant when she was you know hanging out with you yeah. and she was like, it was amazing. Yeah. That's, so yeah, that's the goal. Um, so how I combine being a food critic for the past like six years and the Berserkly food festival is that this is a curated event where like every vendor um, or at least 95% of the vendors there have my stamp of approval. Like of I've tried your food. I know it's amazing. I know the public's going to love it. I want everyone to find out about you um, because the motivation for the festival is helping small businesses get the, the shine that they deserve and especially women-owned business and um, uh, POC, people of color businesses. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's, yeah. And when is it this year? It is Sunday, September 4th um, at Sports Basement in downtown Berkeley from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, really excited because we were Labor Day weekend last year and we're going to keep it trucking with Labor Day weekend this year. That's a, that's a fun weekend. So we'll definitely yeah. put that information at the end and and so people are aware where they can come visit and try amazing vegan foods. So I want to go back to the, the you know becoming a food critic. Now, was that something you just said, okay, this is what I want to do? And it kind of just went from there. Like you said, I, I want to become a vegan. I want to share, you know, with the world. And it, you just kind of landed into the position. Oh, so fun fact. I have like four careers <laughs> all at the same time. And I want to hear about it. The, the, the go-getter. Yeah, I definitely get it from my parents. My parents are entrepreneurs. Um, my mom is a lawyer um, who's had her own practice. And my dad uh, has done everything under the sun. And so um, so being a food critic is not my day job. Uh, my day job has been being a school counselor. So okay. I've been a school therapist, mental health therapist to 550 kids. Bless you. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, here in the Bay Area, um, I'm a graduate school professor. I'm the Berserkly Vegan. And sometimes people hire me to run their food festivals um, as well. So, like, I do the Berserkly Vegan, and I also plan vegan events for myself and, you know, for my brand as well as other people's um, events. And th- that's that's a lot. And, and that was, you know, one of my, because I, I knew that, you know, you have just this incredible um, career and it's so necessary. We need this, especially now with, with our, with our youth and thank you so much for everything that you do. Cause I know you have a full play and, and you're still out here, um, you, you know, helping, you know, other businesses and putting the festival together. How, how are you able to manage all of that? Success? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, this year, I found myself not being able to manage it. And my body kind of had to tell me, you're not going to sit down. I'm going to sit you down. Right. Um, so that was tough. But I mean, for me, I think my 
my vision for my life is that I'm not going to do anything that doesn't make me happy. Amen. You know, so like the food festival makes me happy. Like I, like if you want to tell me to plan something, I get all bubbly and excited. Like, oh, we get to plan something. I love planning stuff. I love organizing things. Um, and so, yeah, everything I do makes me happy. Working with kids makes me super happy. Teaching my um, graduate students makes me super happy because we have so much fun together. So, yeah, like all of my jobs are fun. Well, I love how you talked about that. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with a, a future guest, and we, we were talking about effortless action, mm. and which reminded me of Abraham Hicks' inspired action. So when what you just hit on is when you're doing activities that make you feel good, that bring you joy, it doesn't even feel like work. Right. And that's the scary part for me because even though, because it doesn't feel like work, it's hard for me to slow down and take breaks mm. and rest because I'm having so much fun. I don't even notice that I'm running on E. Right. Well, I can relate to that. I've been there many times, many times. And I, and I heard you say, you know, earlier, like you've been going and going, but your body talked to you recently and yeah. told you to sit down. So yeah. what was that like? Was that, was that a burnout? What, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, it, and it looked like me going to urgent care and they thought I had a blood clot. They thought I was having a heart attack. Um, mm. cause my body was just like, I was, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sit up straight. I was super dizzy. Um, I had stabbing chest pains. And so, um, for me, like getting, put in the back of an ambulance and being put in the, the ER was like a really big wake up call for me that, um, being a giver has mm. its limits. Sister. <laughs> I mean, I'm a giver to a fault. Right. Right. And I hit my fault line really hard to the point I had to take two months off of work. And, and what, what did that look like for you taking two months off of work, especially when you have, you know, this business and the counselor and the professor, like, I, I could imagine, you know, I think we're similar. I don't like how, how were you able to stay down for two months or like, you know, stay put for two months? You know, um, so I had to take two months off of my day job at the school. Um, and it was, I don't want to call it survivor's guilt, but there's a lot of guilt because I was like, well, the rest of my coworkers are still working. How come I'm the only one who, you know, burnt out so hard? How come I'm the only one? Um, I just had a lot of guilt associated with it. It didn't feel good. Um, and with taking time off, um, I had a guest come into my class last night because um, I teach about trauma and crisis and counseling right now. And she was talking about how um, in a capitalistic society, it doesn't make financial sense to take time off of work, but yeah. your body needs you to do it. So for me, half of my break, my time off looked like, filing for disability. Like it, 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 it was, it was almost more work to take time off of work. Um, it was work to take time off of work as well. Um, and figure out how I was going to move things around to make it through paying rent. And you know, the Bay area is not cheap. No. So, you know, um, but I had the support of my family, which meant a lot. Um, but yeah, it, it, it looked at, it looked like me getting my own therapist again, um, to kind of process, like, how did I end up here? Mm -hmm. Like Thanks. what, for yeah. Sure. What am I responsible for, you know, in my life and how I run my life to get to this point? Um, I got a life coach um, to kind of help me reorganize my life in a bunch of different ways. And so, yeah, it was a lot of self-discovery mm. during that time off. And and thank you so much for sharing and, and being vulnerable. And, and 
again, I can relate in the times that I burnt out, same thing. It was like I had to take responsibility. It was the overgiving. It was, you know, not setting the boundaries that needed to be set. And like you said, also in the capitalistic society, we're taught like, okay, if you're not working, you're not making money, then you're not, you know, um, worthy. And and so it ha you have all these, you know, records running in your mind. Right. When in reality, it's just counterproductive to our health. And when we take the time to rest and reflect, we have more energy to give. And then we attract more. We we're, I know I'm more productive when I take that time. But those pauses are necessary because if not, the universal two by four comes and hits you. Right. Hit your heart. Yes. And so, and I love how, you know, you, you, you're focusing on the self-care therapy, the life coach, kind of doing things for yourself to kind of get you back on track. Yeah. It yeah. takes more effort to get back on track than it does to do the preventative care. Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't realize that our preventative care, maybe, you know, for me, it looked into finding out that I've had ADHD my whole life. And that's why I'm so productive at everything that I do. Cause I'm like, let's do all the things. Let's do it. Cause it's fun. Let's do all the things. And so what I had to learn getting an ADHD life coach was Erica, have you looked at like, cause I'll be the, I'm the type of person who's like waiting in line for my prescriptions and I'm on my phone. I'm doing this. And she's like, can't you just like breathe and just stand there? And I was like, what do you mean? Breathe and just waste time. Oh, oh my God. What do you mean to stand there and just, be in the moment that sounds terrible that sounds like a a waste of time like no just that's like me i'll have five minutes i'm like okay let me answer some emails no just sit there and be <laughs> um so yeah it, it 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 had a lot i realized how much of my adhd my brain just working differently like using a planner really doesn't necessarily work for me the best or setting alarms i'll snooze it you know so it, it was a lot of self-discovery for self-discovery for me to figure out what works for my unique brain um because i think we have a lot of misconceptions about adhd in our society where it's like you know you're dumb or you can't sit still and you can't focus. Like, no, when my dog's not here, I will sit here in this position on my laptop for nine hours straight, no water, no snack breaks, no nothing. Just go. That's how hyper-focused my ADHD gets when I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have this work first, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my dog has been, you know, implementing her into my routine or I think I need at least 10 different routines for every, you know, all the different scenarios, but Every three hours, I take her out. I get a break. I stop looking at my screen. I get fresh air. So yeah, it's reimagining the world that I already have in a way that actually works for my brain. And it sounds like what you've been doing is like incorporate instead of going those nine hours straight, hyper focused is is taking those little breaks in between, chunking my day. Mm -hmm. And how have you noticed that helps you? Who? Um, yeah, it helps in the sense that like. I actually, it forces me to take a break and be like, you know, if I'm 15 feet away from the refrigerator right now, if I'm taking her outside, I'm going past, oh, I should grab some water as I'm walking past the fridge. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like, it gives me a chance to have more reminders to take care of my body because I'm not, you know, sitting in the same spot for eight hours, nine hours straight. It really helps me to kind of like look at my environment. Oh, I could, I could do a couple dishes right now. I don't have to do all of them. Mm -hmm. I could do a couple right now, grab a drink of water and, you know, 
you know, put something in the air fryer really quick for lunch. Mm -hmm. So I, lo I love how you mentioned, like when you go for the walk, you pass out a refrigerator, you think of the water that reminds me of habit stacking and like remembering, okay, like as I go for a walk, there's the fridge. Okay. Let me grab the water. So stacking those healthy habits um, on top of each other. So thank you for reminding me about that. The habit stacking. It's I so need to look into it now. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot who talked about it, but it's it's a thing. Habit stacking is a thing. Nice. Yeah. So I I really again, it's like this. I love the drive, the ambition, the energy. Right. It's con yeah. Your energy and drive is contagious. What What do you think activates your drive and ambition to keep you moving forward? Ooh. Um, besides the ADHD, <laughs> I definitely have to say <laughs> my parents. Um, I have looked up to them my entire life. Like my mom has three college degrees. So obviously I had to get three college degrees. Um, my dad has had multiple independent, independently owned businesses. So obviously I need at least two on my docket. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They kind of set the stage. Um, uh, not in an unhealthy way of like, if you don't do this, then you're not successful, but more so like, they're, they've just been really good role models for me, um, as well as my aunts and uncles. Mm -hmm. They're amazing role models for me, just looking at um, the things that they've done, the people that they've helped, the impacts that they've made in their communities. Um, I have a lot of teachers in my family. So like we get to, talk, oh my God, this school year, da, 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 da. you know, we always have our little school year um, rants together, which feels really nice. And so, yeah, I definitely think my, the adult's I don't, I'm not an adult yet. I'm working on it. I'm 30, but I'm still not an adult. I don't even know if I'm an adult yet. Right. <laughs> the, the older adults in my family have definitely been uh, really good role models. And being those role models, they inspired, they inspired you. And a little bit of what I heard was they inspired you by the service that they were doing, that they were giving back. Yes. And, and um, you do so much of that in all three of the roles that you hold. Yeah, I've been giving back since I was eight years old. Um, I planned my first event in the third grade. I did a toy drive for children who were living at the local um, uh, homeless shelter in my hometown. And so we like, you know, I organized my whole class to, you know, get all these toys for the kids. So ever since I was eight years old, I've been doing a lot of philanthropy um, based events since I was a kid. So yeah, they definitely, you know, they helped me pull that off and they've been helping me pull off the Berserkly Food Festival um, everything I do. Yeah. They're right there in my corner. And and I love how you're talking about service and the giving back and you give back in yeah. such huge, huge ways. And thank you for that. There's something that came up yesterday as well. Um, in a conversation I was having is uh, one of our greatest, um, keys to our joy and fulfillment is being of service to others. Mm -hmm. And if you can speak on that, cause I feel like that's, that's for you is very intrinsic. What do you think about that? Are one of our greatest ways to feel fulfilled is when we're service to others. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that statement. Um, I teach my students at my school, especially my eighth grade girls. I taught them. I'm like, do you think happy people hurt other people? They're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, because hurting people hurt other people. That's right. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And so if you think about how to, we call it, there's this book called um, How to Fill Your Bucket. And so by filling, when you fill someone else's bucket, you're filling your bucket. So when you open the door for someone and they express gratitude, you feel good about yourself that someone, you know, um, yeah. and sometimes it's, it's also about doing things that are nice for other people without the recognition, like going to the beach and picking up trash. hundred percent. And something that I've learned uh, was 
um, a lot of times we do things with the motive back, you know, unconsciously. Right. You know, it's not, I'm not saying this is malicious. And when we do things just because like, I just want to do this because just from a kindness of my heart, it does not because I want you to like me. Right. It's incredible how it's like a boomerang effect mm -hmm. and like kindness breeds kindness, gentleness mm -hmm. breeds gentleness, compassion breeds compassion. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes in our world, we move away from that because we get stuck in what's in it for me. Right. And of course we, of course we want to be selfful and think of ourselves. And at the same time, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a reciprocity. Right. Right. And I, I love how you mentioned that because that makes me think of like balance. Mm. You know, we can always give because it's good to give. And we also have to think about, you know, being so, um, unlimitedly selfless is mm. also toxic because that means yeah. you're just putting out and who's taking care of you, who's looking out for you, who's, you know what I mean? So being just having un, you know, limitless unselflessness un is also not healthy because we right. also want a community. If we're taking care of our community, we want our community to also take care of us. Right. And I, if you talk about the book, filling your bucket, I'm not familiar with it, but I'll look it up. But something about filling your bucket, if you cannot give from an empty bucket, like right. if, if I have a bucket and I'm just giving everything to everyone, I'm going to be depleted and I can't give, I can't, there's nothing left to give. Right. There's nothing left to give. And so in our society, I think there's been um, like a medal. You get a medal for being so selfless and giving so much when in right. reality, um, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing beautiful about being a martyr. Right. Because you, you then like you're, you're, you're giving from a place of lack and instead of, of a place of love. Right. You know, and I think there's a difference there. And sometimes we don't even know it. Yeah. And sometimes we don't know how to balance between doing, you know, the right thing, quote unquote, or, you know, being caring and giving. And when we're, it's time to just give to ourselves, like, you know, just because your friends and family are calling you on the phone, if you, if your social, you know, uh, capacity is at zero, you don't have to answer the phone. That's right. That's right. And that goes okay. back to, you know, what we talked about earlier, the burnout. Um, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, let's, let's prevent it. How can we prevent it? It's by setting boundaries, saying no, and to help keep yourself full, taking those pauses. Yeah. Um, and I always appreciate when my guests are vulnerable and share those things, because I don't think we talk about those things enough. I think we show up mm. with these masks, like everything is, is perfect and we got this. But in reality, I don't care who you are. There's always, you know, there's always challenges and we need to be, um, there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable and sharing because then, you know, you're not alone. So someone who's watching now is like, oh. You know, I'm really going through this and right. how, like, you know, Eric and I've been there. You're not alone. Right. And, you know, that's what you were just talking about. That's called toxic positivity yeah. where you make everything seem like everything's hunky dory. And when you're really hurting or struggling on the inside, but the, the mask of like, no, everything's fine. I'm not going to let me. No, be honest. Like totally. things suck right now. Yeah. And that's okay. And you can be discerning. I'm like, you don't have to come on my, you know, on my live and just spill it all, spill it all out. I think the right. key is also being authentic with yourself. Right. Being authentic with yourself because that, that comes through. Yeah. Um, you're amazing. And, you know, you have um, just everything that you do. As an entrepreneur, what mm -hmm. has been one of the greatest challenges you faced? And, and how did you kind of maneuver, navigate through that challenge? 
Um, there's a lot of challenges. Um, I am like fully stepping into my entrepreneurship because I'm no longer at the school. I'm now a private practice therapist. Um, and I start that on Monday. So that's going to be exciting. Congratulations. Um, with entrepreneurship, you know, I think there's this TikTok or uh, Instagram reel sound that says, you know what? I quit working a nine to five job so that I can work for myself 24 seven. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that TikTok or I saw that meme. Right. And it's so funny because, you know, when I'm planning the, I remember last year doing the Berserkly Food Festival, I was up until like three o'clock in the morning, printing things out and, you know, getting things together and waking up at 6 a.m. to like load up the U-Haul and get to the venue. And I'm just like, dang, I'm running off of three hours of sleep and I got a whole fest. I'm not going to be done till like seven o'clock tonight. So I definitely think with entrepreneurship, you, it's your baby, it's your passion and you're going to give it your all. And sometimes your all has no limits because sometimes if you're like me, a one woman show, you're going to give it your all and then some. And so I think for me, one of the hardest thing is like delegating and asking for help mm -hmm. as well as, um, knowing like, you know what, if I'm planning this appropriately, I don't have to get it done today. I can do a little bit every week leading up to the event yes. and bounce some ideas off of some people rather than trying to like, you know, conquer it, it all in 24 hours. Yeah. Do it all. And, and that's another, you know, myth that as an right. entrepreneur initially, where it's like, okay, I have to do it all, which that's, um, that again, it, it, it leads us to um, the burnout. And like you said, delegating and asking for help is, is key. And I'm still learning to ask for help. I'm, 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 I have an incredible team, I have an incredible community. And I find myself in positions in my life where I still have a hard time asking for help. Right, right. I'm working on it. It's a process. It's a process. <laughs> You know? And picking and choosing what you're going to have people like, no, I need to do all of this, but you can do that. Right. Right. And there's, for me, there was like, um, let me know if you could relate to this. Like, okay, I'm going to do it all myself. Cause you know, like I'm a warrior, like, and then, and I got this because if I ask for help, then, you know, I'm not a badass, which that is like a bullshit mentality. Yeah. I think for me, the, the bullshit mentality for me is, um, if I ask for help, that means I bit off more than I can chew mm -hmm. or I didn't think this through enough when it's like, no, 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 no. Um, and I think those self-fulfilling prophecies in our head, you know, those that uh, negative deficit thinking that we come to, like, mm -hmm. you know, I set myself up for failure. Like, no, you just need help thinking this through. So, yeah, beating, we beat up on ourselves. We do. We do. And I like how you said, I said that when the, the, um, the track in your mind was, I set myself up for, fail for failure, which that's not true because we're learning. There's no right. failure. It's only feedback. So, okay, let's say I bit off more than I can chew. Okay. I, I bit off more than I can chew this time. It's okay. Cause now I know next time when I do this, I've learned and I'm going to be more efficient at it or I'll be better at it. So we're always learning. As long as we're breathing, we wake up every day. We're learning. Exactly. So be grateful for that. Cause if you're not learning, that means you're, you know, ashes or six, six feet under you're all, Yeah. You're on that hamster wheel, just doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Oh yeah. That's one of my favorite quotes, girl. And I see in the world around me, I see that happen so often. I mean, that was me too. Right. 
Right. But we're so conditioned a certain way. But again, it just it takes just that little piece. Just if we could do something different, one percent of something different every day, we can make those changes. Right. Right. It would make a huge difference in that it would lead us off of the path of just that the, the, the mundane, the everyday, like, oh, I can tweak this and then I can tweak this. Then you start tweaking your whole life and then you have a whole right. new routine and a whole That's new. It. That's it. And it's a process, which which brings me to. Um, I mean, again, you're so successful and you now open your practice and you have the festival coming up. Is there something you do for yourself, like first thing in the morning to set the tone for the day or or it doesn't have to be in the morning? Like, is there something you do to help yourself kind of get set for the day? You know, if I am on top of it, um, my go to thing is um if I can have a mono meal of fruit first thing in the morning, I know that sets me up for success. Um, this is a combination of passion fruit, mangoes, pineapple juice, and ginger. So this is like anti-inflammatory, um, all the good stuff I need first thing in the morning. So if I can like um, batch prep like four frozen smoothies in my freezer and I, you know, take that out of the fridge first thing in the morning, I know I'm going to have a good day. Mm, kind of just start fueling your body with, with just really healthy and high vibration food. I mean, that's what that is. It's high vibration food. Yeah. For me, I definitely think like staying away from like <laughs> my favorites, you know, like waffles and hash browns and stuff. If I can do something that's a little bit, you know, whole food plant based, like first thing, in the, even if it's just an apple or some like oatmeal yogurt and granola with a little agave, like it sets up my body to feel good. So then I can have better focus and better like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Productivity throughout the day. I love that. I never thought about that for fueling, you, you know, your body first thing in the day in that way. Because typically I've thought about, okay, like I meditate, I do my gratitudes, I pray, I exercise. Yeah. I, it never crossed my mind to maybe first thing in the morning, if, you know, sometimes it works for might, might work, it might not, is like right. eating something healthy like that to just fuel your body. Right. Yeah, I didn't. I never thought, of, and that's like again a high vibration food. It'll kind of set the tone and kind of. Yeah, I love that. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's um because I, I I struggle with doing the journaling, the meditation, the yoga first thing in because the dog is like, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, I'll take. <laughs> I love it, but I, I I love that like kind of fueling your body. Yeah, which, which brings me to something. I know we got a little bit off track, but it's been amazing. Yeah. Just an amazing conversation. And I appreciate you being so real. Let's go back to the veganism. What are some of the benefits of eating plant-based? Um, I think the thing that I'm telling my my family now is I'm like, do you want to meet your grandchildren? Do you want to? <laughs> um, we can't deny, you know, that plants are, you know, they're the foundation of our food pyramid. They're the foundation of healthy water. We need our, um, fiber. You know, I know a lot of people aren't getting enough fiber. If you ask people how many times they go number two in a day, it's going to shock you. Right. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> literally like, Oh my God. <laughs> you don't. Um, so yeah, when I think about the benefits of like a vegan diet and there's so many ways to be vegan, I'm an out and proud junk food vegan. Give me my beyond meat. Give me my um, accidentally vegan cracker Jack, you know, whatever it is. I love the accidentally vegan stuff, um, Oreos, all of that stuff. But like for me, like being, you know, this, like, um, especially for my ladies, my, um, 
people who are menstruating, I feel less cramping, mm -hmm. less fatigue, less, you know, moodiness when I'm doing an apple smoothies, when I'm eating or salads, like when I'm eating whole food, plant-based, especially on my cycle, I'm like, what's like, I feel amazing. Yeah. Versus, it is. Yeah. It does. It does make a difference because there have been times where I have done that and I totally felt different. Like I had more energy. Um, but for me, I couldn't sustain it because, you know, I loved, you know, my, I love my chicken and my meat and this, right. and this. But what you're helping me realize right now is maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, for me, it doesn't have to be, okay, veganism, the, the whole, you know, hundred percent, maybe just throw in a couple days where, you know, I'm just focusing on kind of just greens because it does, I've done it before for a short period of time. And I'll tell you, like, I noticed a big difference in my energy, how I felt. Um, but again, you know, so like you said earlier, like, what am I going to eat when I go out? For me, it's like big part of my social life revolves around food and, and, and alcohol. Food is love and going out for drinks is also love too. I'll never say no to a good mimosa. Um, so I think, yeah, I am 100% here for the flexitarians because my immediate family is not vegan. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure I'm the only vegan. My cousin's vegetarian, which I love. Um, but yeah, I love the flexitarians. Um, there's a lot of books out there. I think there's a book called uh, Vegan Before 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. So like doing vegan for your breakfast, lunch and snacks, and then like having your, you know, your steak or your chicken for dinner. Like that. that's a huge impact. I like that. Now, when you say flexitarian, is that what you're talking about? Like maybe just, you know, do plant-based a few days a week or just be flexible with how you're eating? I think, yeah, flexitarian can look like so many things. When I think about flexitarian, I think like for my mom, she's a perfect example of a flexitarian. Her breakfast is vegan. Like I got them to get rid of cow's milk in the house. They, she does oat milk creamer for her coffee um, and she'll do, you know, like a really hearty salad or a orzo pesto pasta dish or whatever for lunch. And then she has, you know, you know, cheese has been her thing. So she'll have a feta salad for dinner or something like that. So like flexing, being flexible that you're going to do, be more mindful about incorporating more vegan into your diet because I know the push is definitely for more whole food plant-based, like, oh, I'm going to have kale, I'm going to have spinach, I'm going to have, you know, all these different things. But when we're looking at you're cutting out the, 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 the impacts of like dairy out of your diet and, you know, factory farmed meat out of your diet into a vegan meal, it does, it has a really big impact, not on just on our bodies, but the environment mm -hmm. um, and the way that our food system works. So if you're doing more vegan than like the companies who are producing our food are like, Ooh, we need to hop on this vegan train. <laughs> Mm -hmm. No, and you're right. I've, I've seen more options lately and you've definitely piqued my interest. So I'm going to make an effort and because again, you feel so much better. And we know that we like, you know, we, we know that the more, you know, fruits and vegetables you eat, the healthier you are. Um, but again, I love how there's that the flexible because now I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can do this and be a flexitarian and just add a few of those, you know, plant-based meals into, which I kind of do, but you, I think more is necessary because you do feel better hundred percent. I, I, I give that up to you. So 100%. when our cookbook comes out, I'll mail you one. Yeah. Please mail it to me. It's been so fun. Well, we went all over, we went all over today. We did <laughs> so much for being flexible and open and sharing with us. I really appreciate it. Congratulations for being the number one vegan festival to travel to the Berserkly Food Festival, which is September 4th. We'll go ahead and put that information down. And if anyone's interested to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? 
Um, Instagram is great. I'm at the Berserkly, at Berserkly Vegan on Instagram, or you can reach me out to me on my website, thebezerklyvegan.com. And if you're on Eventbrite, go ahead and subscribe and follow to all the events that I have. We recently had a vegan yacht party with about 100 people on board. Um, we had an amazing time. So yeah, there's more to come. That looks fun. I love that. I love that. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you for those that joined us live. Brandy Porter Schrader was here and April DeMille. Thank you so much. And Judy James and Allison Sukamoto was here with us. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate you. And for those watching the replay, I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. I know there are so many other podcasts to listen to. And as always, um, I'm grateful for you. And Erica, thank you so much for joining us. This was super fun. I loved how we went all over the place. We touched on so many different things and that's what I, I love about it. And um, I will go ahead and put your information there for people to reach out to you. All right, all have a wonderful rest of the afternoon. And I actually will be back next week. And you're going to love my guests next week as well. Have a great day, all. Thank you, Grace. Hey, sweetheart. Hey, love. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. I'd like to show you my appreciation by gifting you a free forgiveness self-hypnosis audio download. Part of living the fun and fabulous life is practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness can be such a long and challenging process. My intention is that this forgiveness audio will help you in practicing forgiveness, especially with yourself. Grab it by visiting daretoachieve.com backslash forgiveness. For more inspiring tips, make sure to connect with me on social media. Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram at Grace Redmond Dare to Achieve. Until next time, keep moving forward towards living your fabulous life.